I promise is a phrase that used to mean something. If someone said, I promise you could take it to the bank, their word was good. You can count on whatever they said. The dictionary defines a promise as a declaration that something will or will not be done or given. An expression, an assurance on which an expectation is to be based. So if I say that I'm going to do something, the, there is an expectation that something will happen as a result. Synonyms are uh, agreement, commitment, a guarantee, a pledge, a vow, a covenant, an oath. But today a promise has become a device used to get someone to agree with your plan, vote for you, join your group, or believe a deception. Promises are made and broken with alarming regularity. Some politicians make empty promises no one believes. And that's the crazy thing. You vote for someone based on a promise that you didn't even believe that they would do it when they said it. But there's this innate thing within all of us that we want to believe the promises that are made to us. And we tell ourselves, well, maybe they'll at least keep a part of it. Wedding vows are promises made while you're dressed up in front of family and friends, and more importantly, God. At your wedding, the pastor would say something like this, do you promise to love her, comfort her, honor, and keep her, forsaking all others, keep you only unto her as long as you both shall live? To which you answered, I do, or I promise. And here's the idea behind that. The idea behind that is that I'm in this for life. No matter what, sickness, disease, trouble, hardship, argument, I will love you and be with you forever. A promise made. And way too often, a promise broken. You've probably heard the statistic that 30 to 40% of all marriages end in divorce. That's a lot of broken promises. It's not just marriage vows either. Think of all the broken promises that we now come to expect. If you loan someone money, you expect that they'll pay you back. When they don't, you struggle every time you see them spending on something else. You think, wait a second. Instead of taking that vacation, shouldn't you be paying me back? Instead of their keeping their word, paying you back becomes, if I ever have extra money to do it someday... People buy stuff that they can't afford on credit. When you charge something, you're making a promise to the credit card company. Broken promises go all sorts of ways. Some of you were promised pensions that were taken away, promised benefits that were cut, promised that the payroll protection program would keep your jobs. And you feel ripped off, cheated. Many of my pastor friends tell me of broken promises someone who goes up to them and says pastor you can trust me i'll always have your back a few weeks later that same person gets mad and leaves the church you see we live in an age of mistrust you've learned from experience that people companies and governments break their promises as a result you've learned to doubt no matter how tight the contract, how deep the relationship, or how sincere the commitment, you wonder if a promise made will equal a promise kept. It's sad when people bring that same distrust to church. They don't trust the pastor, the leadership, or the church. But it's even more heartbreaking when people make that same decision about God. They decide God doesn't keep his word. 
I can't trust his promises. God will let me down just like everyone else in my life. And often they make that decision based on one of two mistakes. First, God never made that promise. Instead, it's something that sometimes we feel entitled to or a promise that we decided that God owes us. For instance, God never promised us 85 years of healthy living. So whenever we get ill, we thumb our, our noses at God. God never promised us that we'd always be happy. In fact, Jesus said to us that in this world, we would have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Second thing that kind of gets us mixed up is, is God sometimes makes promise to us, but it includes a command that we often ignore. See, many of God's promises are in response to our obedience. Think of it this way. If I say to you, if you attend every weekend this year, I'm going to take you to the best steak dinner in the entire north of New Jersey. And by the way, that's a promise if you do that. And then you take and you miss 12 weekends, but you still expect the steak. That's not a broken promise. That's foolishness. You didn't do your part, so of course I'm not buying the steak. I'm not even buying you a hamburger. God promises to bless and provide for you, but if you ignore his commands regarding finances and generosity, you choose not to live according to that promise. When you choose to engage in sexual sin, you move your relationship out from under God's promise and protection. We say to the Lord, give me the desires of my heart, but you never delighted yourself in him, much, gave, much less gave him any time in your life. We want everything to go well for us, but we don't even honor those in authority over us or our fathers or mothers. And then after making all of those mistakes, we decide that God doesn't keep his word. See, the problem is, is that you claimed the promise but ignored the command. It doesn't work that way. Maybe life has dealt you unexpected challenges. You're disappointed with God and feel like he's let you down, that his promises aren't true. But in this new season where we are back together again, I want to challenge that mindset. And by the end of this new series, you're going to know over 40 of God's promises. More important, you're going to learn that God is a promise-keeping God. Every week, we're going to learn one of God's promises. And by the end of this series, you're going to be armed with a promise for every situation. You're going to learn to trust and rely on God's promises. When Satan tries to make you believe a lie, you're going to reply with a promise. When people try to drag you down, you will answer with a promise. When circumstances don't go your way, you're going to have a promise from God to apply. When you're sick, there will be a promise. When you feel alone, there's a promise. When you're discouraged, there's a promise. When you're afraid about the future, there's a promise. When you face a new challenge, you can face it with confidence because you have a promise from God. So I encourage you to learn, pray, and believe the promises. Although skepticism is at an all-time high, there are still people that you can trust and believe in. People that I like to call promise keepers. See, you believe someone's promise if they've kept the promise in the past. You develop trust in their word because they are consistent. What they say is true. You don't doubt it. You don't need to investigate it. You don't worry. You don't wonder. They're trustworthy people. 
before you even receive what was promised. You're already counting on your blessings because you know that they're going to come through. Man, I have some folks like that in my life. Folks that I completely trust and depend on them without doubt or hesitation. They're dependable, reliable, faithful, and true. They keep their promises regardless of what it costs. And that's what God is like. God is a promise-keeping God. That's his nature. But God's promises aren't some sort of lottery ticket or some sort of genie in a bottle for us. See, his promises aren't designed to fulfill your every wish and desire. Instead, his promises are designed to fulfill his plan and purpose for your life. And his plans are good. God's plans for your life are better than your plans for your life. When you follow God's commands... You receive God's promises. These verses that I'm about to share with you will form the background to our journey through God's promises. And this is the first promise that we are learning. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. A few verses later that that promise is expanded on. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So he who promised is faithful, and you will receive what he has promised. God keeps his promises. And all of our reaction to that should be amen. And let me show you why I say that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. The New Living Translation says it this way. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen extends to God for his glory. Uh, Amen is a curious word. For many people, it's just a tradition. When they're done praying, they say amen. But amen is not just some random ancient word you say at the end of a prayer that means that the prayer is over. The word amen is almost a universal word. In fact, it has been called the best known word in the human language. In Africa, Asia, Russia, China, Europe, Latin America, they all end their prayers with the word amen. When they're responding to something in the church, they shout out amen. See, in response to the goodness and promises of God, believers around the world say amen. And one day in heaven around the throne, all God's people from every race, tribe, and people group will shout in victory, Amen. The word is directly related, almost identical to the Hebrew word for believe or faithful. In the New Testament, the word is often translated verily or truly. Over time, the word amen came to mean sure or truly. It's basically an expression of absolute trust and confidence. When you believe God, you indicate your faith by saying amen. When God makes a promise, the believer's response needs to be amen. When we pray according to God's word and God's will, we know God will answer. So we close with the word amen. The word is even used as a title for Jesus himself. The last of the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation 3.14 says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. 
we can be certain that God's word is always faithful and true. When Paul said every promise of God in Christ is yes and amen, that is as strong an affirmation in the original language as possible. It's like shoving 20 exclamation points after a statement that you make. See, amen is not just a word that we use to finish prayer. It's not just a tradition that people shout when the preacher makes a good point. Instead, amen means what has been said is faithful. What has been said is true. Now watch it happen. Watch it take place. So here's my working definition of amen. Truth plus so be it. Plus yes, plus I am confident. Plus I accept it as truth. Plus I believe it. Let it happen. I can't wait to see it. Now that definition will change the way you pray. You don't just say amen, amen, amen. Lord, in the name of Jesus' name, amen. No, no, no. It's declarative. It means something. It should be said with authority and force and conviction. It's not amen. It's amen. When someone shouts amen in church, it's perfectly appropriate. In modern day language, what they're shouting is Truth. Truth. People shout everywhere at football games, political rallies, in arguments, or when they win something. But for some reason, we're hesitant in church. I say, let God's people shout, Amen. You are confident. You believe it. Let it happen. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. Truth, though, truth is different than a promise. In our world, promises are broken. But truth is truth. You can deny it, you can fight it, you can argue it, but you can't change it. At the end of all the talking, it's still the truth. The promises of God speak truth over your life and over your situation. Amen? When your response to God's promise is amen, that reflects a change in mentality. It's a switch from I really hope kind of really wish that God you would do this to truth to knowing that God will keep his promise to saying I accept it I'm believing I'm watching for it and I receive it let it happen and let it happen now see because God's promises on our lives are not if or maybe they are amen man we need to say amen more in church not at weird moments that don't make sense but in response to the truth of God's word, it's entirely appropriate and a beautiful affirmation of truth. If amen seems like an old, irrelevant word to you, then say truth. Now here's how we're going to close this message. I'm going to give you a sneak preview of some of the promises we're going to be studying. And after I read the promise, you'll respond by saying or shouting, amen. Are you ready? Here we go. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Amen. The Lord goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. Amen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares 
the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Amen. And here is one of the most important. And I want to declare this with a resounding amen. Behold, I am coming soon. Amen. Let's pray. We're declaring together that we push forward because we know that God is faithful in all of his promises. Amen.